things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. here. Welcome to episode 12 of I Cry in Corners. We're in season two, which means we're knocking out the 10 people you need in your corner. So last week, I shared about uh, a season in my life that I walked through that led me to my number one. No brainer, it was Jesus. Yep. I talked about how our mm, go-to in life, our go-to in leadership, um, our go-tos in the creative sphere of influence, it has to be Jesus. Um, I say this because if he's not your number one, um, what you'll produce in your life will uh, build you and point people to solely you. See, if you um, allow God to be your number one, then what happens is your life source is Jesus, and then you'll give people Jesus. And giving people Jesus, after all, is the goal. So super fast recap of the last episode. Jesus should be your first go-to, your last say, and your source of inspiration. See, that was a really fast recap. Really proud of myself. Um, In John 7, Jesus was encouraging his squad um, as the time of his departure was fast approaching. So he told them, whoever believes in me, um, the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow within them. So if you missed episode 11, which is the one I was just talking about, and somehow you've been going to your besties or your squad or your boss or anyone and everyone else but Jesus for advice, for rest, for joy, then stop what you're doing right now. And let's get realigned. Uh, Stop even for tips and how-tos and everything. I need you to stop this podcast and go listen to the one from before. Because guys, if Jesus is not your number one, then what will happen is everything will flow from that. But if you're all good and you have number one in check, congrats. Uh, Let's move on to number two. Okay, so my number two is not just one person uh, you need, but a set of people you need. Your world uh, will call them uh, a squad. Yep. The people you spend the majority of your time and energy with, uh, they're super important. Incredibly important. A lot of important. See, um, just like the waves of the sea uh, can shape a coast uh, and erode the shore, your squad has the power to shape you into something awesome or erode you of your values and emotional energy. So I think it's super important that today we talk about your squad. Yep, let's dive in. When Jesus came on the scene in his early 30s, he searched out a squad. Yep, Jesus did this. A group of people that not only he could um, teach, uh, inspire, work alongside, be buddies with, uh, be friends with, um, a group, a core group of people he could show the love of the Father to, and uh, he could be in community with. He was searching out community because community does awesome things with when it's brought together with awesome purpose. And so what does that mean? If we're talking about the number two type of people you need in your corner, I'd say you need a squad. And not just like a squad like T-Swift, not an entourage, but a squad like Jesus. And see, when Jesus started building his inner and outer circle, he searched for these type of people. Um, Listen closely, because this might not be what you're thinking. He searched for the unqualified, uh, the overlooked, the ones with unrestrained zeal. Um, 
the disliked, the abhorred, um, those with backstabbing tendencies, the doubters, the prideful. Um, Nowhere on that list are the best looking, the most popular, the ones with the most likes, the ones with the most followers, the most talented, the famous and influential, or the most qualified. Jesus wasn't about bringing in the best. Jesus was about bringing in the broken. And if you want to be like Jesus, your perspective is going to have to change on the type of people you draw in. At the beginning of this, I talked about how when you're connected to a life source, he's a living water. When you're connected to Jesus in such a way, the community that you draw close to you, um, you, you have to have something to offer. And Jesus had something amazing to offer. He was, he, was, he was just speaking and loving and being life. And at the end of the day, the people he brought in, he, he, oh, he developed those things in them too. See, the world will tell you that in order for you to make a worldly impact, you have to surround yourself with the impactful and then use their influence to maybe propel you forward. I guess that works if that's what you're into. But I want to make an impact that affects eternity. Like how gangster is that? I'd venture to say if you want to make an impact for the kingdom uh, that, Im- that affects eternity, you have to embrace those who maybe are already around you. Um, and then in response, just love them. Because that's what Jesus did. Uh, in, in Jesus loved just the people that were around him. And if love is your platform, then God will be glorified. And if love is your platform, um, the kingdom will be impacted. I'm going to go back to this list that I have about the type of people that Jesus drew in, the unqualified. Uh, he didn't pick um, the most, uh, the ones that you would think he picked. You know, he's a rabbi. He's in his 30s. He went, he picked young people. Uh, supposedly, they believe that the, the, the disciples were like all under, I think it was under 21. They were all a bunch of misfits, dude. They were all young kids. And um, he, he, he brought in the overlooked like, I love the story of the kid who brought the five loaves, or was it the three fish and five loaves? I don't know. I don't, I don't know math. Anyways, like, the, that kid wasn't even counted in the census. He wasn't even counted, yet he was the one. Like, God brought in women. He brought in people that nobody looked at. He brought in people who didn't have their passion completely restrained like Peter. He brought in people like Matthew and Zacchaeus that were disliked and looked at because they were, I mean, the tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. Think of the what they look at as the worst sinners in the world right now. That was the tax collectors in that time. I mean, he brought in those with backstabbing tendencies. My God, Judas, you know, and, and Thomas, who friggin' doubted him, and John and James, who were fighting and for position. Like, he brought in these people that maybe no one ever thought to use them. Jesus didn't go out and search out other teachers, religious elite, Pharisees, etc. He chose people who were like him. I overlooked, unlikely. You know, Jesus was from the hood. He was from Nazareth. He was a carpenter's son. He wasn't what people would ever think would be the Messiah. Now, that's the type of people God uses. He doesn't, I said, I think, pretty sure I said this in the last one where I said, it's great to be qualified, but it's even better to be called. And Jesus was called for such a time as this. And what I love so much about him is he was near the sea, so he inspired those who were fishing. And from place to place, people who saw how he loved um, joined in the group from, like I said, tax collectors, women, you know, Martha and Mary, from 
Peter, who was super immature, to Judas, who was super insecure. And Jesus wasn't about gathering the best. He was about gathering the broken and the lost and the unwanted. And oh my God, not that I want, not like the people in my current squad are broken and lost and unwanted, but I'm not searching for the best. I'm searching for the available. That sounds really messed up or weird, I think. I don't know if I said that right. But I feel like the people that God wants you to love, the people that God wants you to bring in close, I feel like a lot of times we miss out on amazing friendships and amazing community because we're searching outside our sphere of influence, our sphere of authority. And God wants you to be able to speak into things with authority and speak into things with relational equity, but you only can do those things to those that are um, in your uh, Sea of Galilee, I should say. So whether you're searching out friendships maybe a team at work, a church community. I want to challenge you today to change your perspective for the best and gather people right where you are. Chadi, what the heck does that mean? Um, I'm charging you to stop waiting and searching out perfect people and conditions and um, dance in the rain a little bit. Jesus straight up walked up to Peter and Andrew and invited him to follow him, just like James and John. And I love how in Matthew 4, it says he called Peter and Andrew who were casting their nets. And then he called James and John and they were mending their nets. The people he needed in his squad to help bring more people in and the people he needed in his squad to help care for those people were right there, right there along the sea. So my question for you today is where is your Sea of Galilee? Where are you gathering people from? I'm going to speak from me personally. Maybe this will help you. In my Sea of Galilee in this season, um, professionally, it looks like I hire from the pool of college interns that I have. Instead of looking for people who may work for another creative house or church or whatnot, my Sea of Galilee is my interns. They're the kids that um, I'm with (laughs) every semester that um, come in during the summer and that serve with us on the weekend that's who we invest in. That's who we hire. That's my pool because those are the kids that are with me. They might be young. They might be uh, inexperienced, but they have heart and they have zeal and um, they know our culture. And on our team, you have to be completely engulfed in our culture to truly produce it. Uh, Maybe it's just me, but culture trumps experience 100%. So professionally speaking, my Sea of Galilee is my pool of interns. So I don't move past that. God, God will bring the right people, the menders, the casters. Um, in this season, my Sea of Galilee for my friendships are um, the people I work with, the people I attend church with, because I spend the majority of my time serving and working at the church. And so the people I'm in the trenches and in ministry, to, they're my closest friends. Um, it's not always easy because some serve above me and some serve below me, but community that lasts doesn't thrive because there's hierarchy as the glue. It thrives because love is the glue. So I think sometimes as people build community, they say, oh, I can't be friends with that person because they're my boss, or I can't uh, be friends with that person because I'm their boss, or, you know, Jesus didn't look at that. Jesus looked at people for people. And some of my best friends in the whole world are people that are on my team, that I'm their boss. Some of my best friends in the world are my people that are my boss. They're the closest people to me. They're the people we're in the trenches with. They're the people we're at war with every weekend, loving people, serving people, caring for God's people. I think that the greatest friendships, the greatest, hmm, 
the greatest friendships are built in the trenches. And I think that sometimes the trenches aren't glorious and they're not fun. And But if you would just look in the trenches next to you, uh, you'll find some of the greatest relationships ever. You know, overall, we're talking about healthy community. What many may call their outer circle, maybe their inner circle. And next week, we'll hit inner circle, you know, ride or dies. But for right now, we're talking about how, one, you need Jesus to be successful in life and in leadership. And two, you need a thriving community, a squad. Jesus had 12 that he did life with and many more that followed him and housed him and loved him throughout his ministry. So community is so important. If you want to do life right, you got to have community. Side note to all you introverts out there, you and your cat and the one friend you chat online with, that doesn't count. That's not community. I say this as a cat lady who prefers text to talk (laughs) and runs away from people I know in Target. I don't know what's wrong with me. I do it. I hide. Um, Being an introvert, social, awkward people or people who struggle with social anxieties, I'm pointing at myself. Um, This doesn't disqualify you from great um, thriving community. It actually sets you up. It sets you up to grow, to move past your comfort zones. It teaches you how to believe the best in people. So if you're an introvert out there and you're like, this doesn't really pertain to me, lies. It totally pertains to you. And to all you extroverts out there, find an introvert. Make them join your crew. Make them be part of your squad. My squad spent an entire year inviting me out before I actually said yes. I know I don't know... Um, I, I know, I know that it's hard because you're, you might be like, I'm an introvert. I really, listen, listen, I'm an introvert. I'm telling you, I don't even know what my life would look like if I didn't have a slew of extroverts constantly pulling me out and pushing me forward. They're the ones who I laugh with, pray with. They're the ones that push me when I feel disqualified and I can't remember all God has already said because I'm in a fog and they push me forward and remind me that I'm called and they help mold and move me through my past and into my future. Jesus built community, and if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to do the same thing. Okay, let me just say this. I feel like I need to say this. There will, I promise you, like super promise, there will be seasons um, where your circle will be large, and then there will be seasons where your squad will then be really small. I remember there was a season where it was like I had this massive friend group and then life happened and it dwindled down to just like me and the cat. And uh, that's why that number one Jesus thing is so important. But whether your squad is large or whether your squad is small, you have to fight like tooth and nail fight to keep yourself attached to a thriving community as the enemy is just kind of waiting for you to be alone so he can pick you off. Nothing good happens when you're alone. And so it's incredibly important to be diligent in regardless of the season you're in to be attached to thriving community. So if you're a person that's like, look, I don't make friends easily, um, then let me encourage you to join a small group um, uh, professionally, um, all, all like get in a forum and meet some people, go have some coffee, like just do everything you can to be out and about because the reality is, is um, nothing good happens when you're alone. And, um, with that being said, let me go back to the list of people Jesus chose in his squad, because I feel like if I can give you practical tidbits of each kind of who to look for, then it won't be so hard for you to find people to maybe build out your squad. 
Okay. So first things first, uh, I put the unqualified. So usually people don't want unqualified people in their squad, whether it's professionally or whether it's, you know, like community friendship wise. Um, I put here unqualified Jesus chose youth, but the reality is, I mean, it's just, I feel like the Holy Spirit will lead you to the right people. The Holy Spirit will lead you to people that may not be um, from the same background as you from the, like, it is so important to have diversity in your community because if you can't embrace, I mean, everything about Jesus's group was diverse and how they were and where they came from. And, um, I feel like God really thrives and loves diversity. And, and so where you might see something as unqualified or overlooked, God looks at it as beautiful and awesome. And so as you're choosing people for your group, you don't, they don't have to be your age. They don't have to be your skin color. They don't have to be from the same walk of life as you because the reality is, is what makes us different makes us great. And it, and I think of all the people in my, in my, in my sphere and all these people in my circle and the people like the people that I love and the people that I hang out with, it's their differences that make, that draws me to them because it's those things that teach me more about myself and teaches me more about Jesus. So, um, I would say grab people that aren't like you. I know that's like, you know, I watch a lot of prison shows. Anyone else? No, just me. A lot of locked up raw. Nobody. I'm the only one. Okay. Whatever. I watch a lot of prison shows and it's like when you're in prison, everybody's got to join a gang. That's not what this is like when you're finding a squad. This is not, that's not how you pick a friend group. I need you not to do that. I need you to find people that are different. So that's the first practical thing is to find people that are different because people that are different will sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron. Okay. Um, second, uh, don't look at people that I love. I love that he chose tax collectors to be in his group. I have people in my group that have very different, um, people I love. People are very close to me that have completely different views than me politically, faith wise, I mean, whole different and that's okay. Because the reality is, is if you're not drawing in people that are not like you, then, I mean, that's what Jesus did. Jesus drew in everyone that wasn't like him. And that's what made him so amazing is because he was ex- just everything exuded love. And and if you don't have people in your community that, um, your com- like your squad that is not completely different than you and what you, even what you believe, then I would venture to say, Go have coffee with someone that maybe doesn't have the same belief system as you. Not so that you can convert them, but so you can love them. Jesus wasn't about converting everyone. He was about loving everyone. And it was in the loving that brought them closer to the Father. So that's another one. Make sure they're diverse and look at your squad and make sure there's people around you that they're not exactly just like you. That's really, really, really important. And then uh, thirdly... um, I wrote people uh, with backstabbing tendencies. I think a lot of people um, don't don't want to bring people into their community that maybe is, um, I don't know, can I say screwed them over before? Or um, unforgiveness, maybe? <laughs> I think that forgiveness is a big deal. And I think a lot of people, uh, relationships are sketchy in this season where everything's kind of fake and liked and social and digital and real friendships are, um, hard to come by. And, um, I think that if you don't have people in your circle that you fight with, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I said that. So the first thing is you need diversity in your community. The second thing is you need people in your community that maybe you don't have the same belief systems in. I know that's weird. Just do it. It's amazing. And three, um, if you're not like, 
if you're, there's not people in your group that you actually disagree with and that sharpen you and that you guys sometimes kind of have it out, um, then that's not um, friendship. Because, um, you know, real close community friendship, it's kind of like family. Like, I mean, Jesus looked at Peter and told him, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, I mean, they were besties. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to have people in your corner that you let, oh, like, you don't want to be surrounded by yes men. That's the worst thing in the world. I love that the people on my team, the people in my, my, my friend group will straight look at me dead in my eyeballs. I had one of them today. Tiny little thing. Very aggressive. I'm so glad she's shorter than me because if she was eye to eye, it would be a problem. And she looked at me dead in my eyeballs and she said some things I did not want to hear. But you know what? That's what makes our friendship great. That's what makes my community great is that I surround myself with people that'll tell me like it is. I don't want people that are just blowing up smoke that are just saying yes. I want people to push me and and like the waves of the sea build something great along the shore. And that's what you need to do to build great community. You need to surround yourself with diversity. You need to surround yourself with people that you can love like Jesus and Thirdly, you need to surround yourself with people that'll ah oh, that you can just get in the trenches with. Is that weird? I don't know. Those are just some practical tips of some things I was thinking about. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, let's land this plane. No one was meant to do life alone. Nope. We were meant for sharpening and loving and building up. So if you don't know how to do that after this, just start with loving people with no agenda. That would be nice. And then go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with uh, a nice little fun little millennial type journal and some highlighters. I promise you the Holy Spirit will show you the rest. You just got to love people and um, God will totally meet you there. All right. Well, I love you guys. You're truly my favorites. Thank you for hanging out. Um, I hope you enjoy your week. Kick butt. Take names. Uh, follow Creative Church and me on Instagram. Uh, leave a review if you can on iTunes as it helps. You guys are the best. There are people out there on your specific Sea of Galilee that just need you to reach out so they can reach up and reach their potential. And uh, you have an amazing community just ready for you. Yep, true story. Love you, weirdos.